There's one slide, the start, where we are now. So where are we at now in terms of where, uh, maybe I need to go up there, Joe, to move it myself. Clicker, great, thanks. Uh, where we are now, where are we now? We went through some uh, interesting emotional stuff in the beginning. Um, it affected us in our worship. We had to quickly regroup and plan about how we were going to do things a little bit differently. Um, thank you. The back one isn't, isn't highlighted. You just let, I guess. Um, uh, where we are now. So we've arrived at a point of getting a better understanding in some ways of what's going on. Uh, we didn't, someone mentioned the vaccine, we didn't know. We didn't have one at that point. Uh, we got that, and then the understanding was about, well, rather than going into, we have had to come to an understanding about mass. Remember, there was a debate back and forth about whether we should or shouldn't, uh, what effect does it have, if any, and then there was kind of a conclusion that yes, it does. And now it's become something that they really do push a lot as far as helping to not have transmission. So it's important for us to recognize that this came upon us in a certain way that we didn't understand. We still today in the end, as we talk about the end, we don't know. Where's it gonna go? How far will it go? What's next? None of us knows. We don't have the game plan. We don't have a book. So there's bound to be some either confusion, some misunderstanding, some misstepping in trying to resolve it or fix it or deal with it or understand it. We haven't been here before. It's kind of like for the first time bringing the first child home. Yeah, you read the books. Sure, okay, you've been there. Or someone extremely close to you and you'd never dealt with this before, gets very sick. Reading books, et cetera, doesn't really supplant fully that experience and dealing with it. So all of us, elders, deacons, ministers, uh, members, uh, everyone has had some challenges with this and kind of beginning to understand it and then saying, okay, this is a bigger part. How do we move forward and deal with it? There probably have been some lessons that we all have learned in the process. So this is the person. Uh, what do you think is happening there? This is someone getting ready for their walk in the morning. And this past week, it was like very hot. You remember how hot and humid it was? But this is this person going for their walk, long sleeve shirt, cap on, mask on, what's going on? What are your thoughts about why, what's motivating them to dress this way? You're gonna go for a walk and get pretty sweaty and hot and you're dressed like this. You'll be alone walking, but you're dressed like this. So anybody wanna share thoughts on why this person is dressed as they are? What comes to mind? taking some precautionary measures, um, as hot as it may be, the shirt will keep the sun off of uh, direct contact on his skin uh, and the mask, obviously, is COVID-related. Well, I 
like just echoing what Brother Cook said, just some uncertainty, just preparing for whatever <laughs> comes during their walk. Right. Um, so I actually saved the response for later, but I'm going to give you a little bit of cheating. I'm going to give you the answer. This is me. I'm getting ready to go for my walk. Here's what part of it I discovered with the pandemic and part of it I've been doing for years. Somehow the insects love me. By the time I finish walking, I have bites in my head. I mean bumps from bites on my arms. They just love me. And so I wear long sleeve shirt and a cap primarily for that reason. What I discovered during the pandemic is wearing the mask. I have extreme allergy sinus issues. Nothing works. I've tried Allegra. All, it's like taking candy. No effect whatsoever. And apparently they wear off after a while of taking it. So it was so bad, I'll give you a quick synopsis. It was so bad when I was in college, I first discovered it. I didn't know what was going on. I would sit there and read a page, one page for about an hour, and I couldn't take anything in. I thought I was depressed and went to the doctor and he said, you have sinusitis. I was like, what are you talking about? I had never heard of it. And he gave me some medication at the time that removed the sinuses. I was perfect, fine, instantly. But that stops working. The only thing that works for me is exercise, it keeps it at bay. So I discovered with the mass, it controls my sinuses and my allergy infections. That's my motivator. My point is what? We can look at someone and make some assumptions. We could look and think this is what's going on. And it may not necessarily be that. There may be another issue going on. So that's an important one for us throughout this entire process. We don't know for sure what the intention, what the motivation, what the driving force behind someone doing whatever is. So how do we take care of and nurture ourselves? Thoughts on how to take care of and nurture ourselves. I'll take, I'll take it. Um, ah, let me meet you. How do we take care of ourselves? We're supposed to eat well, I guess. I don't do such a good job of that. My wife tries to help me. <laughs> you know, there's something called the COVID pounds. Yeah. Uh, this well, the common thinking right now is to take care of yourself is to get plenty of sleep, hydrate yourself and make sure that you do have a nutritious diet. Thank you. And if you don't have a man or don't know this, Sister Patrice, she sends out a good listing a variety of inf valuable information about dealing with health issues, as well as uh, many issues related to the current uh, pandemic and whatnot. Uh, wear a mask. Pardon? Is it, is it? Oh, wear a mask. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't hear that. <laughs> yeah. So it's important that we take care of ourselves. Just, just, you know, if you take a few minutes out and just kind of relax, connecting with people is important as well. Um, we have a variety of ways of connecting, Brother Carl. I, I think that uh, many of us who uh, watch the Olympics kind of appreciate uh, the fact that Simone Biles stepped forward and said that uh, taking care of herself, it was really important for her to consider her 
emotional stability and just to just look out for herself, especially in a sport that she's in that could be potentially very dangerous. And I think that for us, one of the things that, that has been useful for me in helping to take care of my own emotional and spiritual well-being has been uh, the fact that our life group stayed intact and that we were able to uh, talk to each other. We were able to get, you know, support to one another and to study God's word in such a way that addressed a lot of the issues and the emotional and spiritual challenges that we were facing. So for me, that was important. Thank you, Brother Carl. Thank you. If someone could look at Romans chapter 13 and read one through six, Romans 13, one through six. Romans 13, one through six. And as someone searching, question is, in what ways have the governing authorities sometimes impacted our worship? In what ways have governing authorities sometimes impacted our worship? Not yet. They've limited the number of us who can who can gather. Um, they've also placed different protocols on the manner in which we're allowed to gather. Any other ways? Anyone else? I'll open it up a little bit further. Based on does, do the governing authorities limit the occupancy of a building? Yeah. They, and they, they even tell you based on the number of parking spots. You can, for us, we, dealing with the sewage we've been trying to deal with for quite a while, connecting, do they determine that? Uh, when we have a snowstorm, do they say state of emergency? So there is being and has been this interplay between the government author governing authorities and how we worship in some way. Can you read it, Brother Bob? Romans 13, starting with uh, verse 1 through 6. Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resists the power, resists the ordinance of God. And they are and they that resist shall receive themselves damnation. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Wouldst thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. For he is the minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid. For he bears not the sword in vain, for he is the minister of God, a avenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. Wherefore ye must needs, wherefore ye must needs be subject, not only for wrath, but also for consciousness' sake, including that verse six, for, for for this cause pay you tribute also, for they are God's ministers, attending continually upon this very thing. So are there any questions or any comments about interacting and obeying government authorities? Any thoughts on it, any questions on it, any comments? Oh, we got this is Sherry. 
It's the responsibility we have as Christians to obey the, obey the law, unless yeah. it overrides what the good Lord's telling us. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. So anyone else? But Brother Carl, oh, is it? Was someone else? So in verse two, it says, the one who resists the authority is opposing God's command. And then in, back in verse one, it says, there's no authority except from God. So if we're resisting the authorities, understand that God is over everything. What we're really doing is resisting God if what they're telling us to do is not inconsistent with what God told us to do. So if it doesn't contradict what God told us to do, we're to submit to the authorities because God is over the authorities. Right. So as an example, if the governing authorities say, you all will no longer worship Jesus Christ. <laughs> hey, I'm out of here. It's off. Fair enough. Uh, someone, if you would get Matthew 18, 15 through 20. Matthew 18, 15 through 20. Matthew 15. I'm sorry, 18, 15 through 20. And as someone is searching for it, are there any additional thoughts or comments on the previous? Oh, this reader. I was just gonna read. Yes. Okay. Matthew 18, 15 through? 20. 20, okay. If your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you and you have won them over, but if they will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen, even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. Truly, I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, truly, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be given for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. Great, thank you. So who's speaking? Jesus, heads up, really pay attention here. Uh, Jesus is speaking. And what's the main point for this? Anybody thoughts on what the main point is here? Reconciliation? To keep peace, harmony, and unity. To keep peace, harmony, and unity. And it's given instructions on how to deal with things within the church when there are disagreements. It's given Here instructions. Yes. So we have a prescription when we disagree. Question, did we always follow that this past year? We, so what grade will we sometimes, not all the time, sometimes give ourselves? <laughs> okay, and that's one of the reasons why we talk about, we don't have a game plan. And sometimes under pressure and facing something you've never faced before, we give a reaction. What was helpful even in those disagreements 
People pull back after a while. Got it. So heads up from, from me, this is just my point of view. Is he through this experience preparing us for something else? I'm not looking at just that disagreement. We're not considering just the fact that this is a difficult time. I believe, scripture I think supports it, that you're being challenged. I'm being challenged for something else. And it's not only us that's being challenged, it's the example we set for our children, our family members, when they see us doing or not doing what Christ commands us to do. So I think it goes, like you said, even beyond what we know and understand to be right now. This is going to impact our future generation and how we show the love of what Jesus commands us to do is to set the example, not only for now, but for our future, even for our coworkers, for people that don't know Christ. How we conduct ourselves is, the, is in the utmost importance for getting God's message out. If we as Christians can't do what we're supposed to be doing, then we're not gonna do God's will in teaching and discipling to others because if we have a disagreement with what the government tells us, and, and this is just to me, my own simplicity, wearing a mask, unless it's, uh, as they say, for health purposes, you can't, it's not gonna kill you. It's not gonna kill you to put a mask on. So if the government says put a mask on, what, what example am I setting for my child when I say, you're infringing upon my rights? Say that, yes. Yeah. It, we we, we yeah. got to think about the future of what kind of example we're setting. And I'm going to add to that. We are an example to our children and to each other, but to the world. If we are reacting and acting the exact same way, how do they see God? Now, we can react differently if Scripture is telling us to. And we can legitimately disagree on a Scripture and sit down, melt the minds together, and look at what the Scripture is saying and correct it and come up with it. Clearly, this is what's that, what it's saying. So sometimes Christians will disagree. How do we approach that? One-to-one. -one, can't resolve it, then you move on. That is why, and it may be to some frustration of one or two, one of the first questions we as elders ask when you bring us something, and I'll even go further, I'll say, how many times have you spoken to that person about it? So scripture does say, try to resolve it, speak to the person. My suggestion is, I'll even try to talk to you more than once about it to try to resolve this. I'll even give you a little bit of space. When I approach you initially, you may just not see it that way, or you may not understand it. Or, this is the reverse, you may not have figured out how to really teach me what it's actually saying, which means I could be off. So the one-to-one -one is private. I'm not putting you on the spot. Most of us, if we approach someone publicly about an issue, the first instinct is to protect. Fair enough? So I think that it's there for those reasons. However, it's quite simple. Jesus said it. That kind of settles it. This is our prescription, Brother Chuck. But it has to be done with love. You can't go 
to the person confronting them angrily, saying, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're doing this. You have to go with love and discuss the matter. It's, yeah. They may, you may find out that you're the one that's wrong. So you need to go with love to this person and ask them, why are you doing this? Explain to me, yeah. not you're wrong. And that's the end of the yeah. question. And probably if we thought about as we're approaching them, I could be wrong. <laughs> we might approach it a little bit differently. Uh, so leave that door open because they may be educating you. Uh, as we continue to talk, if someone could get Galatians 2.20, Galatians 2.20, Mark 8.34, Genesis 2 and 7. Galatians 2.20, Mark 8.34, Genesis 2 and 7. So it's important that uh, whenever we have a disagreement, we resolve that. But remember, what does scripture also say if you're angry about something? Sin not, and when are you to resolve that? Don't let the go down on so hey, figure it out. Don't carry this stuff on and on and on. Uh, so it's really important. Now, another distinction as well is that are we talking about sin or are we talking about difference of opinion or mm. things that are disputable? Because some things are disputable. It's not sin. So in a way, be cautious how we approach the person because they may just be doing it differently. It doesn't mean that inherently that they're sinning. That's where the conversation part leads the door, opens the door for more and greater understanding and relationship. If someone read Galatians 2.20, Galatians, Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who lives, who loves me, and gave himself for me. Mark 8.34. Mark 8.34. With his disciples and said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Genesis 2 7. Genesis 2 7. Genesis 2 and verse 7. Then the Lord God formed the man out of the dust from the ground and breathed the breath of life into his nostrils and the man became a living being. Ah, what do you think the point is here? Can we do whatever we want with our lives? Whose life is it? When we were baptized, what do we do? We surrendered it to him. And as I was reading more and more, Take a look at Genesis 2 and 7, and what's the implication there? That I gave my life to Christ or to God. It was his from the beginning. I breathed it into you. I gave you life. You're only returning what's it's kind of like the contribution we talk about all the time. It's his. We have the illusion that it's ours and we 
have some control that we did, we did I, 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 I gave it to you in the beginning. You simply to return it to me. And in your obedience to me, you follow my prescriptions. You're just making a conscious choice to surrender it back. Fair enough? Any questions, comments on it? We have freedoms and rights. How can we use them? If someone could get 1 Corinthians 10, 23 through 31, and someone else, Galatians 2, 20. We have freedoms and we have rights. How can we use them? 1 Corinthians 10, 23 through 31, and Galatians 2.20. 1 Corinthians 10, 23-31. I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but not everything is constructive. No one should seek their own good, but the good of others. Eat anything sold in the meat market without raising questions of conscience, for the earth is the Lord and everything in it. If an unbeliever invites you to a meal and you want to go, eat whatever is put before you without raising questions of conscience. But if someone says to you, this has been offered in sacrifice, then do not eat it, both for the sake of the one who told you and for the sake of conscience. I am referring to the other person's conscience, not yours. For why is my freedom being judged by another's conscience? If I take part in the meal with thankfulness, why am I denounced because of something I thank God for? So whatever you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Do not cause anyone to stumble, whether Jews, Greeks, or the church of God. So what are your thoughts on this scripture? Ah, my rights are not, Brother Ricky said, my rights are not the primary consideration. So what do we place before our rights? Your brother. There's a comment back there, by the way. No, the, uh, I was just gonna say the good of others should good. be the first thing in our mind. Good. And then because of Christ's commandment that we love one another, that's part of that, you know. Great, thank you. And that is, Brother Kwasi, that is a good part of the, the point here. Uh, Okay. Yeah, so getting to um, the last part of the reading, you say, Don't, do not let your actions get other people to stumble. Uh, what it means is some actions that we take, the things that we talked about, and the way we express ourselves, the steps that we take, and so many other things can cause our brothers or sisters to stumble. Stumbling means that the person may lose confidence even in coming to this church building. The person may lose confidence in the faith that we started with. The person may lose confidence in the brother or sister who has caused that. It doesn't matter your position in the church. So we have to be very careful that whatever we do, we prioritize other people. We shouldn't do it as if we are politicians. If I don't like you, I drop you out. If I don't like you, you are not part of my team. You are not part of my, my group. And so I've been at different churches of Christ, and this is one of the things that I've seen, 
they form cliques, they form groups, they form um, like uh, people who belong to each other. And even if you don't speak like them, they drop you out. Even, even if you don't have the same color like them, they drop you out because you are not part of them. These are some of the actions that we have to be careful about because at the end of the day, the church does not belong to us. It belongs to the Lord Jesus. He came down from heaven. If from this United States to Ghana is about 13,000 miles, what about heaven? Millions of miles. The Lord God Almighty came down here in the form of flesh to come and save us. And you as a human being is destroying the church that he came to save. That is what we have to be careful about. Because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter your position in the church, you are going to stand before the judgment throne of God. You have to make sure that whatever you do, the steps that you take, the things that you talked about in your heart, the Lord has already seen it. The Lord does not judge by appearance, physical appearance, but he judges our hearts. Sir. And so we have to be very careful. Our actions, whatever action that you take and it destroys the church, you have to be put before the judgment throne of God. So as we continue, uh, I will draw a little bit of a reference that when we're talking about uh, our rights, we have rights as citizens. We have rights of, as citizens of any country that we're in or we are citizens of. And they may not necessarily and probably do not easily transfer into what we're talking about now as far as rights as a Christian. The world's not gonna understand why you're making a different decision about your rights. Because the world's gonna say, you have the right to whatever. You don't have to pay attention. You can do this, you can do that. You can wear this, you cannot wear it, whatever. Scripture is telling you something else about how to approach it. Next. Someone get uh, Galatians? Galatians 2.20. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Great. If I could get someone to get 1 Corinthians 8. 13, 1 Corinthians 8.13. How should we handle, and let's assume, well, I'm giving it away. How should we handle a brother or sister that we believe is weaker in the faith? 1 Corinthians? Hmm? 1 Corinthians 8.13. Wherefore, if meat make my brother to, uh, mm. wherefore, if meat make my brother to offend, I will eat no flesh while the world standeth. Lest I make my brother too offend. Great. Thoughts on that one? I will abstain. I will avoid. Nothing to do with me. I'm willing to do it for a brother or sister. Brother Demetrius, Michael. One of the key aspects of this is that this person is, is, is 
what Paul is saying here is he's not sinning by abstaining from something. And he's ensuring that that brother or sister doesn't fall into sin by abstaining from something. So what he's saying is if, if you don't know if this is a sin or not, right? The best thing to do is to defer to your brother or sister, right? If you know what you're doing is not going to cause someone else to sin. Now it's a whole nother thing if something is a sin, but if it's not a sin, it's better to defer to your brother or sister. Okay. In what ways are we described as a group? If someone could get Ephesians 4, 11 through 12. You got Ephesians. another comment, Brother Vaughn. Oh, sorry. Ephesians 4, there, it's up there if someone could get it for us. Thank you. I just Brother wanted Mark. to add to that. If, 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 I, if I'm uncomfortable, this is what this says. If I'm uncomfortable, it doesn't matter. What's more important is y'all. That's more important. To be able to help y'all to prevent yourselves from falling into any situation that will cause you to sin. And I'm going to be uncomfortable in the process. I'm willing to be uncomfortable. Okay, great. Now let's let's just put a little bit of realism on it too. We can acknowledge that we're uncomfortable. We can acknowledge that we're struggling with something. Uh, I don't think we've, we've had enough that sometimes I can say what we will do as elders uh, before even asking. If someone comes and says, I don't like something or I'm uncomfortable with it, that's okay. It's okay to be either uncomfortable or not to, to not even like something. It's okay. The question is, what do I do? I'm willing to sit down and listen and talk for a while and try to have a meeting of the minds. We would be glad to do that. The question is, what do we do? Uh, Bible passages for me, the next two. Yeah, Ephesians 4, 11 through 12. And then Colossians 1, 24. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Great. Colossians. For the sake of the body, that is the church, of, that is the church. So the church is, is a body. Uh, most of us would pretty much know that. We are collectively making up a body. Uh, I'm gonna jump next and come back. How do we demonstrate love if someone could get the next three passages for me? How do we demonstrate love? for our brothers and sisters. Galatians 5, Philippians 2, Ephesians 5. How do we demonstrate love for our brothers and sisters? Galatians 5.13. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh, 
Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. Serve and love each other. Philippians 2, 3. Do nothing out of, out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Ephesians. Ephesians 5, 21. And further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submit out of reverence to Christ. It's a humbling experience, and we've all heard many pieces, parts, and entire sermons about how difficult it is to submit sometimes. So none of us probably have, should be this illusion that it's probably not going to be easy sometimes. The question is, what do we do? And even as we struggle, it's okay to say, I'm struggling. Can you help me to get to this point? That's what the body does with and for each other. We are past our time. I'm going to go ahead and uh, close. Are there any parting, just quick comments? Thoughts. I want to thank everyone, Brother Myron. Uh, I want to thank everyone for your participation and being present uh, this morning. I just want to thank y'all for um, being a righteous encouragement to all of us, bringing a word of truth and knowledge and wisdom to help us to continue to focus on our unity and our fellowship as brothers and sisters in Christ. Great. And before Brother Michael. Uh, Closes. I just want to uh, add one or two things. One, what happened? Remember, do we remember the tenth plague with Egypt? What was that? What happened with that one? God told them to paint the door ladle with blood. Correct. During this plague. During this plague, what else did he tell them to do about remaining indoors? They were instructed to stay inside. Think it through. And if we think we are far, far, far away from the possibility that what we're doing is so against what scripture is teaching, Take a look at it, please. Just think it through. Um, what we are doing in terms of style or form, we looked at it very closely. We couldn't find any scripture that says you cannot do it this way. Now, let me be honest with you about myself. I don't like Zoom. I prefer not. That's my personal like. And I can probably tell you, a few others if I talk, who I've talked to since the beginning, I just, I don't feel it. The question was, is this unsound? No, it's not. And what really convinced me about it, if scripture's not against it, how do you know what the final plan of God is? 
you're looking at this, Vaughn. I have something else. I don't lie. If my scripture's not against it, you don't know what door I'm opening at the end of the year. You don't know what I'm going to open up in two years. That got me on the side of pulling back and saying, wow, I probably need to turn it down some. Because I don't, going back to the beginning, none of us has the game plan. This is not making God a liar. This is not contravening scripture. So think it through, consider it. We're open to dialogue or discussion on that scripturally. If, if, you, if you want to discuss that, that's absolutely fine. But our purpose was one, to clearly review some scriptures we think will be important going forward. Second, just open up and think a little bit. None of us has it fully figured out. Brother Michael. Let us pray. Thank you, Brother Vaughn, for facilitating today's session. Father God, we just thank you for this hour to discuss church matters, and we thank you for our facilitator, Brother Vaughn. We pray, oh, Father, that you just continue to have mercy upon all of us. Lord, that we'll just be mindful of your word. Help us, oh, Father, to apply to our lives and live accordingly. And may all that we do, oh, Father, be done to glorify you and to lift up Jesus the Christ, our Lord and Savior. It's in Jesus Christ's name we pray and we give all thanks. Amen.